Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're in for a delightful episode tonight. The topic is taking the trust leap. And our guest tonight is Reverend Dr. Diva Haley Mitchell. We're going to bring Diva on in just a minute, but I want I want you to know who we're talking to here. So I'm going to jump right into her her background. Uh, Dr. Dr. Diva Haley Mitchell is a transformational leader who supports people to reconnect with their spiritual depths, unleash their leadership gifts, and stand into their full potential. She is the co-founder of the Shift Network and the founder of the Inspiring Women with Soul series, which has served over 120,000 women from more than 160 countries. Her private practice, Radiant Essence Services, offers personal coaching and VIP retreats for clients from around the world. Diva was awarded the prestigious Fulbright Scholarship for her work with indigenous groups in the Brazilian Amazon, She's, she then pivoted into the corporate world, talk about a transition, working as a management consultant at the Boston Consulting Group where she consulted with Fortune 500 companies. She later worked as the founding director of the Full Circle Fund, a thriving venture philanthropy group followed by a senior director role at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Her current works, um, Diva supports her clients to work with both the outer work of strategy and implementation as well as the inner soul work of visionary leadership. Through her trainings, mentorship, and the community she cultivates, Diva offers a space for true soul transformation as well as worldly manifestation. Now with all that on her plate, in her spare time, you can often find Diva making music. Her songs fuse east and west with groovy, danceable grooves. Her debut album, Sacred Alchemy, aims at reawakening and, and liberate the many dimensions of the sacred feminine. How cool is that? You can learn more about Diva at Diva.com, and that's D-E-V-A. A.com. Join me in welcoming Diva to the show. Diva, welcome to the show. Hi there, Les. Thanks for having me. It's really an honor to be here with you again. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. It's uh, I, I think we always have a, a, a great conversation, and I think tonight will be no different. So you've chosen the topic of taking the trust leap. That seems like new material for you. Can you give us a little bit of a background that brought brought you into that uh, genre? Sure. Um, well, this is a topic that um, is very important to me, and I imagine it probably comes up for quite a lot of other people as well. And in my own experience, I was sitting um, not that long ago with a spiritual mentor of mine, and I was realizing, and she actually reminded me as well, her name is Arielle Spilsbury, she was reminding me that I keep getting different aspects of life initiations, different kinds of life initiations that have required me, and I think this is true not just of me, but of really all of us at different levels in our life, but have required me to really trust the universe, trust the divine unfolding, trust that there's an underlying good, and uh, surrender, surrender and trust. And I have 
spoken those spiritual words many, many times, but actually going through the process when something comes up that feels uh, frightening, usually because it's unknown or or something comes up that's new where there's just a resistance to change, it has been a challenge to trust and to really embrace surrender. And so I find that, you know, my, my mentor was reminding me, oh, here we are again. You're being invited <laughs> to really trust. And what I realized, you know, I, was, I went through a process of, of asking myself and really inquiring into, you know, why – do I find it so difficult to trust and to kind of, and to surrender these these words that are very popular in spiritual circles, but in my lifetime, and I think Les, you mentioned you've had similar experiences for for me, there was an, a, a, a very fundamental experience I had that really ruptured my trust and had me question the kind of um, underlying good of the universe and even question God and spirit saying, you know, how can, if there's truly this benevolent God uh, energy or spirit energy, then why do these very, you know, quote, bad things happen? And, you know, of course, that's at all different levels. You could look at it from the level of, you know, why do atrocities happen where innocent people suffer um, you know, there, there's so many things that are going on uh, with, with our planet and the suffering of our planet. But for me, on a very personal level, I had my father, who was, um, you know, a very healthy man and really took good care of himself most of his life. He contracted a very rare form of lung cancer when he was about 57, and he wasn't a smoker. And this is a kind of uh, cancer that usually only women get and only women, usually younger women get. And so it was a very odd uh, type of cancer. And, you know, in the, through that whole process, my father definitely was not ready to leave this planet. And we did what we knew how to do, both spiritually working with different energy workers and, and prayer and um, a variety of different spiritual modalities, but we were also doing the, you know, with, with very excellent doctors, the full Western medicine approach with chemo, and he had different, he had to have, you know, different, many different surgeries, and, you know, through the whole process, um, you know, I ended up losing my father, and he passed when he was 58 years old, and, um, you know, he was just about to retire, and, and, in his mind, he had, you know, sort of the the best years ahead of him to really enjoy the fruits of his life. And, right. you know, this whole thing really uh, knocked the winds out of my sails and really, for me, was kind of like this foundational rupture in my trust that, you know, the universe is going to work out for the best. And it's you know, that, that we can relax and open and that there is a benevolent good unfolding. It really had me question um, deeply. And for a long time, you know, I didn't really recover my trust. So, um, and I think my story is, is my own, but not unique. I think so many of us go through these life experiences that really kind of shake us to our core and have us asking deep questions and wondering you know, how can we trust when some things happen that seem very random? Oh, sure. And you're, I mean, you're talking about your father here, too. And um, it sounds like his demeanor, he, he still had skin in the game. He was thinking decades down the road of how his oh, life yeah. was going to be unfolding. And Definitely. Then, uh, and, you know, he was a very kind of, and he, he wasn't like a, you know, a, I mean, he wasn't very old, first of all. He's only 58, and he was, you know, kind of in his prime and someone who, you know, ate pretty well and was going to the gym probably like five days a week and, you know, doing the things that we imagine are kind of like the right things to do to take care of yourself. And, um, you know, had an, he had spiritual tools, not a huge number, but I, I helped support that and bring in a lot of modalities, and he also 
you know, was, was privileged to have excellent medical care. And, you know, when you're doing everything you know to be possible and then the outcome comes out to be so drastically different than what you imagine would be the unfolding if there, you know, if there really was a benevolent spirit off operating, um, it was very, very hard and very, very painful and um, for, our, for our whole family and, and for my dad too. I mean, he definitely wasn't ready to leave this plane and he fought as hard as he could till probably just a couple of days before he passed. There was a point where um, I remember my dad, he was a very proud man. He was proud of his education and he was a graduate of Stanford University. And at a certain point, my dad gave me his ring from Stanford, which was like his graduation ring, which I knew was a very prized possession. And at that point, you know, he had been kind of fighting and like not even wanting to entertain the idea that he wasn't going to make it through to the other side. And when, you know, there was a point where he was obviously very weak and very frail. And, you know, he called me into his bedroom and pulled me aside and said, you know, I have something I want to give you. And when he gave me that ring, I said to him, why are you giving me this ring right now? Are you giving it to me because you feel like you may not be here on this planet that much longer? And he said, yeah, that's right. I, I don't think I can beat this. You know, and, and it was like he had fought you know, right, like not, not having hospice or anything. And then when he finally um, kind of let down and kind of, um, I guess, I don't know how to say it, but in a certain way admitted defeat, Um, then, you know, he was gone within a couple of days. But he was that close, you know, in terms of physically when, you know, it wasn't like months of hospice. He was like fighting all the way till it was clear that it just wasn't reversing, you know. Well, you have this this sense that they're going to be there, I mean, and and there there's such a deep pain that you feel when you lose somebody, especially when you don't expect to lose them. Um, right. I mean, r- real quickly, uh, my example is I worked with this guy I'd call my brother. We worked in broadcast television. I mean, in the early days of our life, in our late teens, we started crossing paths, and we we spent years working side by side. And my soul is showing me this vision for my life, and my buddy is immersed in the exact same genre. And I just I just saw us working for decades in the future, and he got cancer. And uh, I thought, okay, well, what's going on? Maybe his soul's going to scare the shit out of him or something. But he licked it. He got over the cancer. And I'm so we're back to talking. And I'm talking to him on the phone, and he goes, well, I, I've had a, a little relapse. I'm back in the hospital. And um, I'll tell you what, I'll call you Saturday. And we were making plans about what we're going to do and whatnot. And um about 10 days later, I get on Facebook, and his daughter's talking about, his name was Elliot Case. His daughter's talking about Elliot. This guy, this some guy, some guy named Elliot who died. And they had cremated him. They didn't have a funeral, and they had cremated him, and he was gone. He was gone. I mean, even physically gone. And I had to read it two or three times to realize that my my brother my brother is gone forever and yeah. that that clobbered me like a freight train and so, i mean the reason i i i share this is i'm there's a pain that you feel in the core of your being that hurts so bad and you don't want to have that feeling again you know, and and to trust, to turn around and trust again, it's like you're you're betting against pain, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I and for for myself for for many years, it didn't make sense. 
you know, and it, and it didn't, um, it just felt like a, you know, a sentence that dropped off suddenly, like you're saying with your friend, just right. gone with, with, you know, an yes. ellipses, and then you're just left trying to make sense of something that is um, very, very hard to make sense of. And, you know, with, through time, and I think only through a lot of time in some cases, certainly in my case, you know, there there does come to be a place where you're able to see, you know, what what were the um, the often very hidden gifts of of different situations that come up. It's sort of like how do you um, you know, people will talk about this. You know, is is there a silver lining, or how do you make uh, lemonade from life situations which feel like lemons and very sour right. and bitter and and how do you not become embittered for you know for, for forever or for a long yeah. time and you know that that really um stuck with me and it, and it took me a very long time you know I had to work with some different healers and you know dialoguing with the soul of my father to try to understand um you know was there a deeper reason why he exited when he did and um because it sure didn't make sense to my rational mind about you know it seemed just like random he he didn't want it he you know wasn't ready and um you know through time i i came to realize that it seemed like his soul, on a soul level, he had actually completed what he was here to do on this planet, and um, and you know, and there's there's a number of different things that then kind of, you know, because he wasn't here, there's a number of other things that that unfolded that perhaps otherwise would not have unfolded, and um, but it still just took a very long time to make sense of and also to to heal what I call the rupture of trust. And um, and to find that place inside again of of you know being able to trust, but I you know it's like the, so so there's this interesting simultaneity where there's these things that can rupture trust, and then there's these other things that happen that feel like um, like the universe kind of winking at you or smiling at you or saying like hey there is something beyond, you know, a random chaotic universe. And, you know, one thing that, you know, I started to pay attention to more and more through time was, you know, all the different little synchronicities and things that happen in our lives that are these ways that the universe communicates to us that, hey, there, there, is, there is something going on here. There is a deeper unfolding. There is a logic. And for me, it often shows up a lot through, um, Numbers like my sacred, um, my my lineage is the Thirteen Moon Mystery School, and so so many times things will show up, you know, either with the number thirteen, or our other sacred numbers are like three, three thirty-three, three thirty-three, and over and over again the universe, um, you know, shows up with these things for me, like. I'm actually, um, I'm pregnant at this point. And when I, you know, I didn't know I was pregnant because I'm, I'm 45. So I'm pretty old and I, I had a very hard time getting pregnant the first time around and, um, used a lot of medical intervention. So it was a very big surprise. I missed my whole first trimester because I wasn't, wasn't even on my radar that I could get pregnant. And, you know, also didn't have any symptoms. Um, besides, I was gaining some weight, so I thought I was just putting on weight as I was weaning my daughter. But you know, sure enough, I eventually go to see my doctor um, just to see like why I'm putting on so much weight. And you know, the the news back is, oh, you're 13 weeks and three days pregnant. And you know, when I was in labor with my first child, it was a 33-hour labor and three minutes. And so there's these different little ways that the universe is like always winking at me and winking, I think, at other people, different ways that people interpret to kind of be like, hey, there is something going on here. It, there, is, there is an order. There is a logic. Um, but I know for myself it really took a long time to 
to heal my heart. And it really wasn't until um, the birth of my first child where I hit up against an experience myself that was so challenging um, in her actual birth that I didn't, I didn't know if I would see the other side of it that um, that I, I feel like I, I really made this trust leap as, as we're talking about where I really went fully into trusting the unfolding of the universe pretty much because I didn't have any other choice. And, um, and I can share more about that, you know, in, in detail in just, a, in just a few minutes. But um, I just wanted to give you some space to offer your reflections before I continue further. Well, it's, uh, I, I really like this conversation because um, if, we don't, if we don't take a step back and recognize the kind of the events that we're going through, you know, the loss of your father, the loss of my friend, um, um, to, to kind of come out the other side with a sense of wholeness, with a sense of uh, um, having fully processed, if that makes sense, I mean, to, to completely regain our stature after some of these big um, challenges. I mean, extremely difficult, extremely painful, in a lot of ways unexpected, um, painful uh, events, train wrecks of our lives. And then um, you're talking about going back to trust with with this next event you're talking about. Um, so So continue on. Okay, so so for me, these two words go hand in hand, trust and surrender. And as I've mentioned before, especially, well, both are, are in my tradition, but I think in, in most spiritual traditions or in many spiritual traditions, that those are often words that are um, uttered and, and spoken. So I've, I've heard them many, many times on my spiritual path but I never really experienced it the way that I did March 23rd, 2017. I remember that it was springtime, and I remember seeing those abundant pink roses that are always blossoming in my yard, full of tiny buds that I knew would be bursting forth with new life. And I remember on this morning, the morning before March 23rd, March 22nd, I remember the squirrels, and they were eagerly running around in the backyard, and I, it, was just, it just seemed like another morning, another beautiful morning. But as I left my house that day, I had no idea that the very next day I would be wondering if I would ever see those rose bushes hit their full bloom. And I wondered if I would ever see those squirrels or any squirrels scurrying again, or for that matter, whether I would see any of the people I ever loved again. So this was the morning that I rolled my very pregnant body into the worn seat of our gray Prius and our car was packed to the gills that day. It was packed with all the accoutrements to transform my hospital room, my birthing room, into a goddess birthing temple. So we had the car filled with soft golden fabrics, twinkle lights, Kuan Yin statue holding a baby. Um, I remember <laughs> I had hypno birthing tracks and a rose quartz that was fashioned into a heart custom playlist like we were really I wanted to have a natural birth in the hospital because of my age and because that I'd used uh, in vitro fertilization my doctor really said I, I shouldn't do the home the home birth path that was kind of what my heart wanted it would be safer to do a natural birth in the hospital so off we went and needless to say Flashing forward, things did not go as planned. And I remember after I'd been in labor 
more than 30 hours, the doctor coming to me saying, your baby is in distress and we need to do something and we need to act fast. And when it hit the 33-hour mark, I remember finding myself laying on a cold white stretcher in the emergency operating room. And I'm sure many of you have had this experience where you're laying on that crinkly white medical paper and you feel kind of like a, a lab specimen laying there and you feel very, um, uh, very, very vulnerable. And I remember laying half naked on that metal table and the room was very, very cold. I remember they make sure that no bacteria can grow there and the air smelled like that cleaning solution, like that hospital, very um, kind of, to me, toxic smelling, chemical smell, like disinfectant. And um, I'm in this freezing cold room and yet my body is hot because my heart is pounding out of my chest and I'm dripping from sweat and fear ripping through my body. And I remember asking my OBGYN, how many people have you lost through this process? How many people have actually died? And I remember just like the seconds before she answered felt like a whole year transpired. I'm waiting for her, hanging on her words. And she says, none. And it, but in my own head, I'm thinking somebody has to be the first one. And in my own, in my own being, I was like, I just didn't know if I was going to live or die through the process. And, you know, my saving grace in that moment was my husband's beautiful face. But I remember looking at him, wondering if this would be the last face I ever saw. And I remember saying to him, if I don't make it through this procedure, please, please let this baby girl that's ready to be born know that I really loved her and that I'm so sorry I didn't get to raise her. And I remember as the process was starting, you know, panic was setting into my body. I could, I could still feel my fingers and I could wiggle my fingers and toes, which to me was a bad sign that maybe I wasn't really numb and I was going to feel this knife cutting through my pelvis for the cesarean and I remember as right as we started, you know, we were like 30 seconds out. And I remember that I suddenly, this is where this came in. I had no other choice in this moment to take a few deep breaths and begin to pray and surrender. Because I was told that there was no other option at this point if I wanted my baby girl to live through this birth experience. So I remember as, you know, as the the clock was counting down, the seconds were counting down, they tell you, you know, okay, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, and they really begin at a very precise moment. So with each of those moments, I remember just, you know, dropping deeper and deeper into prayer, into surrender, and, you know, at that point, really having to let go, let go of my life, literally, because I had no choice but to trust this doctor, trust she knew what she was doing, and trust my own spirit, whether I was meant to stay here or not stay here. And, um, you know, nowadays they don't actually, you don't go under anesthesia. You stay awake during the whole process. And so just being there and each you know, it's actually a very quick process. It's only about a 10-minute process, but during that process, you're definitely feeling things being pulled and moved. And and I was just, you know, had my eyes closed. I think I believe I was saying a mantra in my mind, and and my mantra was very, very simple, just like, you know, love, trust, surrender, love, trust, surrender, just letting that go through my body, my being, holding my husband's hand, breathing, praying, and trying to communicate with the soul of my unborn, unborn daughter. And again, it felt like time stood still for that time that just stretched on and on and on. So it was a huge, 
miracle when just about 10 minutes later, this beautiful squiggling little baby girl was put on my chest and I got to receive what felt like a huge gift, like the gift of life. And as this little baby was born, I felt like I was also reborn as a mother and suddenly had also regained this deep sense of trust that I had lost beforehand. And I was so deeply grateful for my daughter, for the process, for life, and for the fact that I was still alive on the other side. Yeah. Wow. It's, that's, a, that's a powerful story. <clears throat> you know, the, we've covered all the heavy stuff, related to trust. <laughs> the, the, you know, um, I think um, when we talk about trust, um this chapter of our of our our human story there's so much change happening um both in our culture um in our in ourselves individually um humanity is evolving awakening and whatnot and i think a lot of us were were put here um with a very specific life purpose that didn't come into focus per se until this change started happening in humanity. What I'm getting at, what I'm referring to is, you know, as a listener to this show, I'm, I might have had a career in a traditional industry, a traditional vocation, and then, and then my soul starts to give me this new tangent, this new direction. Well, now there's a new chapter in your life, and now now there's going to be a new direction. And what I'm getting at here is to be able to trust the, the reason you're here as a person, to trust your life purpose that your soul chose before you were even born because I think a lot of times our mind kind of holds it at arm's length. Who am I to be a speaker? Who am I to write a book? Who am I to, you know, take on this new paradigm, if you will? And I think trust, trust in ourself, in our higher self, perhaps, our soul, to trust in our life purpose and trust in the wisdom that, when our soul knows we're ready, it doesn't matter if our mind thinks we are or we're not, to trust that we're in the right place at the right time and actually take those steps in the new tangent, in the new direction. What do you think? Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what I'm hearing you talk about um, is what I would refer to as really shifting your mindset, where you're shifting from an outlook of um, – you know, distrust of fear, of suspicion that, you know, things are not going to work out and negative thinking to really a more optimistic outlook where you're really instead looking for um, what I would think of as like the pot of gold in your own life. And, you know, I, I really do believe that, you know, so many people can see the exact same situation and, and have such a different experience based on the, their perspective. Like you can put on your rose-colored glasses and see the you know, things through this kind of optimistic. And maybe, you know, maybe you don't want to be overly rosy. You want to be real. But at the same time, you can also be putting on the glasses that are, maybe a better analogy is you can be looking at the glass half full or you can be looking at the glass half empty and when you're in a distrusting relationship with the universe, you are in more of the glass half empty, waiting for the other shoe to fall, waiting for you know what's not going right and, and the problems that are about to arise versus really um, you know, seeing the glass half full. And, and what I would invite all of us and our listeners into is really to open up and see in your own life you know, there, there is evidence of 
the this beautiful greater good operating all the time in our lives. Like I was speaking before about my own experience with sacred numbers and things showing up, but for other people, and perhaps for you less, it may show up in a different kind of way. But once we open up to, as you said, less our greater life purpose and and looking for evidence of that and looking for the positive evidence that the universe is with us and is supporting us and is aligned with our highest soul intention, then um, then it starts to flow in a deeper way where we start, and as we notice, what, what I am aware of is as I start noticing that greater good unfolding in my life, the more it seems to uh, become even more bountiful. Like there's like, it's almost like the universe seems to respond saying, oh, you're noticing that we're (laughs) co-creating, that it's not just you with your will, or it's not just, you know, the universe doing its thing and we're just at the whim of whatever the universe wants. There is a co-creative process. So even when the universe hands us a deck of cards that may not be the, the hand we wanted, we can choose how we how we respond to that hand and how we you know how we navigate even when it's you know in the case of my father when it's uh exiting this planet there's also a lot of different ways that last period of his life could have gone down and so the way he chose to handle it um you know was a very beautiful departure and um so it, it's it, it seems like, but as we open more to to noticing the beauty, the joy, the co-creation, and that pot of gold, the more it amplifies. And so, I want to invite people to experiment with that in a deeper way in the in the next week or so. To start noticing at the end of your day, a very simple practice you can do is, um, you know, just write down even three things. You know what? What do I? What am I most grateful for today? What do I most appreciate? How? You know what evidence was was present for the universe acting on my behalf or co-creating with me? And as we start putting our attention there, we, you know it's almost like we become sensitized and we start noticing a lot of those things that were perhaps just happening under the radar that we that we were just missing. Oh yeah. Well, I like that. And and to make those notes just reaffirms that uh, it it shows yourself that that support mechanism. Because I think I think a lot of times um, when we do, when we make that shift, when we make that transition from our perhaps caterpillar life into our butterfly life, that um, perhaps the first thing that's new coming down the pike is, you know, maybe you should write that book. And so you don't see yourself as an author and, and it's new ground to write in a book and who, who cares what I have to say. And, and so trusting that becoming an author is, is part of the journey. And, and the point I get at here is, is to develop a sense of trust, and I like what you said by reaffirming it every day, but by developing a sense of trust that indeed your soul is guiding you to a, to a specific place because r- writing a book might be the first of four or five or eight or ten steps that will completely transform who you are. And I know the mind, the ego, can really... Um, kind of be tugged or dragged <laughs> when a new paradigm comes into your life, like becoming an author. The it can take a while for the 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 mind, the ego to to really embody it. But I think a lot of us are going through quite a bit of change. And the point I'm getting at here is is by flexing that trust muscle with uh, like the practice you suggested. But but to kind of take a step back and, and look at your persona and say, okay, I can make this shift into this new role as an, as an author because your soul might have four or five things lined up and 
you can make this shift in two years or 20 years. <laughs> and and uh, um, so sometimes it, we don't really uh, fully embrace why we're here, like wholeheartedly and, uh, until we've kind of been proven over and over and over again. So to, to take those simple steps and reaffirm that trust can really um, make the transition not only happen in a, a more graceful time set, but I think it anchors you as a person. It anchors your persona in the new, in the new role, the new paradigm. And it gives you a sense of grace through the process, a, a sense of um, belonging, if you will. So I, I really liked what you were talking about um, at the end of the day, taking a snapshot just to reaffirm that that, that process is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things I want to pick up on on what you're saying. Um, one is in terms of, you know, taking a snapshot. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, looking for the signs from the universe and then another step after looking for the signs, acknowledging the signs is also acting on the signs. So, um, you know, if the universe is giving you a certain nudge in a certain direction to actually take that step, make that phone call, do that piece that you feel you know you're getting the nudge for and then also really being in an ongoing process of emptying out so that you can truly listen because I've, I've come to realize the universe is communicating a lot more with us than we are usually paying attention to and so because we're so busy with our own agenda and our own life and our own mission that we often are so full. Uh, there's an old, uh, I believe it, it's like a Zen koan that talks about, you know, someone uh, going to a Zen master and the Zen master um, turning this, this, this being away over and over again, and then finally, you know, the person says, you know, why do you always turn me away? And the Zen master says, whenever you come to me, you come with a full cup. I, I can't fill your cup when it's already full. You must right. go empty your cup so then I can fill it. And it's the same way. We're so full of our own lives and thoughts and agenda and plans that we're not often asking the universe, what is the divine plan for my life? What is the divine unfolding? And so can we quiet ourselves enough? Can we empty out so that we really can hear? And then also, you know, to communicate with the universe through prayer. And, you know, nowadays um, many of us have lost um, connection with prayer, but it is a very powerful tool to be connecting and advocating and you know um like this gentle nudge to the universe the universe does have its i don't believe that you just you know make a prayer and then boom your prayer is answered or not answered but it's like you're in this co-creative dance and your prayers are like you know our nudges like gentle knocking at the door and you can keep knocking and knocking with your prayers and um the more you're clear, the more you're open, the more you've done your work to be at a certain vibrational level, the more easily those, those prayers can manifest. Sure. And, and having that ongoing prayer is, is reaffirming your intent as well, too. You know, you talk about um, approaching the, the sage, and the sage is saying your cup is full, you have to you have to empty, you have to dismantle yourself. Um, there's some trust in that as well, I think, because so often we get a sense of ourselves that, I mean, we have this this idea or this persona of who we think we are, and then to to make room for the new, if you will, to pour out of the cup, to empty ourselves of our past, there can be some there can be some t some challenges there, and it takes a little bit of trust to let go of our perhaps our past identity, our our past sense of self, 
our past sense of purpose. Um, and because we might not always know what's going to replace it. <laughs> right. Yes, sense. and I think that's where what we talked about earlier comes into play, where, um, you know, one of the biggest fears that people have, or two of the biggest fears, one is fear of the unknown, just something, you know, that we don't know what our future will hold. Um, that can be very scary. I remember myself saying, I would rather have bad news than have to linger in the unknown. And I wonder for the, for our listeners, for how many of you is that true, where just being in this space where you don't know what's right. next can feel very terrifying. So there's that piece. And then this other piece, which is, you know, we do know what's ahead and what's ahead will require change on our part and we feel resistance we don't want to change we don't want to you know many of us are really creatures of habit and we might want to change on superficial levels like we might want to have a variety of different restaurants that we go to or see you know different movies so we want the the spice of life that is variety but on a deep level you know the fundamentals of our life we often are much more resistant to change those. And so, you know, going through the kind of transformation that you're talking about less for many people can feel, can feel really scary. And you also mentioned that it can take a lot of time for not just the transformation, but for the flowering and the blossoming. And there's a, a phrase that I have um, used with my, my husband over years of being in a marriage together. And we talk about, staying in the ring with each other, like a boxer that stays in the ring even when they're feeling exhausted, even when, you know, they, but they, they, they stay in there. And so I think that kind of energy is required to be in a long-term marriage and, a success, and to be in one that's successful, staying in the ring even when it gets hard, but also, you know, staying in the ring through life, you know, I, I mentioned and shared a, a very deep story about my daughter's birth, but, you know, prior to her birth, it was also an eight-year journey to bring her into this world. So, you know, I, there were so many times when I, I wanted to quit, you know, through going through many different in vitro processes and miscarriages and, you know, just not working out. Um, through, you know, many, many years. And eventually we did have our beautiful daughter. And that took many, you know, so much time and, and work and intention. But I stayed in the ring. And then, um, and then th this most recent pregnancy, it was, it was a surprise to us, actually. And there was no work. There was no, you know, medical intervention, and as I said, I'm 45 years old now, so then just staying in the ring where, you know, with this whole process of like, wow, one of my other mentors said to me a phrase which I think resonates hopefully with our audience, and I want to offer it as advice, which is don't put a, don't put a period where spirit put a comma. Right. Don't put a period yeah. where spirit put a comma. So the period would be, you know, I had my daughter, period, you know, after eight years. And my fertility journey, all the prayers, you know, uh, were answered through medical intervention. But the comma is, and then, all, and then years later, now it's ten years <laughs> later, then the universe is like, oh, and by the way, those prayers that you put out there about, having a biological child because my first daughter came through an egg donor. Um, here you go. No work, no planning, no intention. And it seems, you know, just like a complete miracle, an unexpected miracle. How, how did that happen? And it was like, wow, well, we stayed in the ring for a really long time, staying with it, staying with it, because we just felt in our hearts, you know, that, we were meant to have a family where many people would say, you know, when is enough enough? When do you just let go? When do you give up? And I think this is where we have to trust our own hearts of like, 
you know, you have to just listen to your heart. And when does your heart tell you this is complete now? It's time to surrender your vision. And when is it time to surrender your timing but hold on to the vision? And so it's, you know, again, it feels like this dance with the universe where it's um, it's so often a long journey that goes through many years even. But, again, you know, it's like that's another little wink nudge from the universe. It's like, wow, I thought I was – infertile five years ago and here I am now um you know one of the oldest moms I know being pregnant so and and naturally too yeah yeah well it's uh I I think the 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 amount I mean to take a step back and look at the collective and 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 look at the upheaval if you will of the collective storyline it's um it's it's quite certain that humanity's going through an immense change kind of a deep cleanse you could call it perhaps puberty or something where where we're um we're digging up all the uh all the dirt from the past and uh uh, the, the point I'm getting at here is there, there, we have so much history for generations in our past to where this, this familiar but rather dysfunctional um, paradigm has been playing out in general where people really haven't had a sense of personal sovereignty. It, it's been more of a collective um, institutions and um the notion of authority outside of ourselves has been the the the, the norm, but um, we're kind of coming into a realm where, as each one of us, uh, um, I mean, if you're listening to this radio show, you're on your journey, that's for sure. Each one of us is awakening this new paradigm, this new story, this this new purpose, if you will, in our life, and there's there's a value to standing in it. I mean, trusting it. I mean, we're talking about trust here. To trust that, I mean, to even cast a vision 10, 20 years out in your life and and daydream what the future would look like for you as you would prefer it. And what I'm getting at here is, is to replace the old paradigm is the creation of a new paradigm. And who's going to do that but flesh and bones? Who's going to do that but humans, human beings that are tuning into a much bigger vision of their life inside of them? And so to be able to trust the reason you're here, to trust the vision of your soul, and then to have the wherewithal to kind of stand up and square yourself up and then start walking like you mean it, to project into the future with a sense of confidence, a, a sense, of, sense of purpose and passion, that's what humanity's really hungry for because that'll cut the unsurety of our future out of the equation. That'll, that'll kind of solidify our future so it becomes more and more tangible day in and day out because so many people are frustrated because um, in the upheaval, they don't see that path. And when we can see it for ourselves, we help to anchor the collective consciousness by anchoring our own vision for our own life. Yes, beautifully said. Yes, yes. And it takes a lot of, you know, another word we haven't talked about yet, but I, I feel like it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to trust, and it also takes a lot of courage to surrender. You know, it's for most of sure. us, it's it's uh, not just an easy thing. It actually really requires something of us to let go of our well-honed beliefs and past, and to really allow. I feel like you know, there, there's as we each move into our own unique destiny and purpose at, at the greatest level to create this new paradigm that you were speaking about, it requires us allowing something greater than each of us to move through us. So instead of, you know, imagining that we're manifesting the new paradigm or our purpose from our will, which is, you know, one paradigm and we have to kind of make it happen and 
pushed in a certain kind of way. Um, there's another option, which uh, I think these two can work together, is to open, to allow, to trust right. and have the courage to let something perhaps greater than what you ever imagined for your life manifest through you. There's that beautiful right. phrase um, from Francis of Assisi saying, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. And right. in that same way, how can we each be an instrument of this beautiful divine unfolding that is happening all around us? The more and more we pay attention to it, we start to notice, oh, yeah, this is actually going on. And as we're noticing, as we're paying attention, our ability to really be in this receptive listening place so we can truly be an instrument of this n new paradigm of this greater unfolding. Um, and, and usually, you know, it, there, there's something much more beautiful wanting to be born through us and also such an honor for us that we get to be a part of something that ultimately usually is much more meaningful and fulfilling perhaps than, than what we could have even come up with, with our own, uh, purely with our own uh, rational thoughts and consciousness. Yeah, I like that. Something bigger than we would have imagined on our own. Well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. We're coming up to the end of the show. I want to make sure that our audience knows how to connect with you. Can you share with us uh, your platform, your modality, and um, any way that you would prefer the audience to engage you? Sure. Let's see. So the best way to probably find out about my offerings is through my website, which you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, it's my first name, which is Deva, and it's spelled in a kind of different way. It's D as in dog, E, V as in Victor, A as in apple, then another A as in apple.com, Deva.com. And one of the things I've really been enjoying doing with people is personal retreats. I've really liked diving deep with a small number of people and doing kind of like VIP um, sessions where uh, we do some coaching in advance, and then I really take people into a, a very powerful weekend that is um, at a beautiful property that we now own in Northern California, Nevada City. And I, and I combine my work with some other practitioners Given I'm going to be giving birth in October, I only have room to do a few of those in the next couple of months. But um, that's one powerful way for people who really want to go through a deep soul initiatory journey to dive into that with me. Those are called, it's called the Radiant Essence Immersion. You can find out about it on my website. I also have a number of um, different courses. I do a, a whole journey aligned with the phases of the moon. So there's, there's that. There's a, uh, a journey with 13 different archetypes of the sacred feminine that I lead people through, that, and that's prerecorded. So, and then I also do individual sessions with people who just want um, what I call spiritual mentorship. And I love doing that with people as well. So you can, again, just go to my website, deva.com. D-E-V-A-A.com, and um, at the very least, you can join my email list, and there's some, I don't send out stuff very often, but um, I try to offer interesting things to people through time, and um, I just would love to be connected with you if you're feeling a resonance with what I'm sharing, and if you have your own journey of trust, surrender, courage, um, that's, that's, on your doorstep, I would love to be your guide in some way through that process. Well, very nice. Um, do you have any closing thoughts for us? You know, there are just three very simple words that I want to just leave people with, and the words are words that we've touched on already through this time together. The words are... Surrender, trust, and persist. And I feel like when you can cultivate those three aspects of self, you can really step into a greater-than-imagined life for yourself and, and heal through your own 
trust wounds or trust ruptures to create something that's truly uh, a healing for your heart and soul, but also some beautiful and wonderful results for yourself and the planet along the way. Right. That's very well said. Well, Deva, I want to thank you for being our guest. As always, it's been a delight having you on our show tonight. Thank you so much, Les. Bless you, and thank you for all the wonderful offerings that you're giving to people every week. We've been talking with Reverend Dr. Deva Haley Mitchell, and the topic tonight has been Taking the Trust Leap. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's always a pleasure for me to bring you guests that help awaken the a deeper sense of who you are and and to help awaken the 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 potential the 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 your life purpose to uh, to awaken the reason you're here so it, it's always a pleasure um looks like we're out of time i'm your host les jensen always a privilege spending time with you until next time thanks for listening this has been a new human living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.